Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Richard Geiger and Ken Seymour. Ooh, ooh. Bringing so it back ex- to you. So excited. So excited. Um, I'm, I'm mired in gameplay of the mind because of what we get to chat about. Absolutely. We're going to be doing a, a review. You know what we're reviewing. You clicked on the link. Maybe you saw the tweet. Maybe it came to you in a dream. But uh, we're going to be talking about the new Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Uh, the film just came out a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Four weeks ago, three months. <laughs> Sometime before we recorded this is when it came out. Well, it came out, but it went to Paramount so fast. Very fast. I was surprised. Um, now, we have talked in the past about streaming services, whether it's for uh, television or music and our um, joy of certain versions of those. Um, the Paramount Plus one, we haven't discussed very much, no. right? No, not much. Um, but I think what's kind of happened here recently is the the power that they have behind the Star Trek universe and all, like, there's so many current exclusives for this um, that there's a lot going on and I feel like a lot of their movies have gone quickly to the streaming service. I know Scream, the most recent Scream one showed up pretty darn quick. Yeah. I thought that one went quick just because everything I heard is it wasn't very good. <laughs> that could be it too. Um, but I must say for those of you listening out there, if you happen to have a Walmart plus subscription, uh, you get the base model Paramount plus subscription for free. Now, I'm not advocating for anyone to buy a Walmart Plus subscription. That's not it. Um, You can get groceries delivered to you with that. So that's kind of nice. That's cool. But uh, the Paramount Plus one, I didn't even know about. Um, I think we were in Gatlinburg and I walked into a store to buy uh, a can opener, of all things. And I saw a big poster stuck by the entrance. I was like, do we have this? Like, do we have a subscription? And the answer was yes. And now all I do is watch Star Trek. So, yeah, I I, ban- I bounce around. There are too many streaming services. Uh, at any given time, I feel I can afford to have two to three of them. Um, so, you know, I had HBO, which is now just the Max. Um, so I dropped that, <laughs> and I got Paramount to catch up on Paramount. And I'll have that for a while, and then I might drop that and get something different. But uh, Ultimately, uh, I saw this film in the theaters, um, so it was I got the traditional experience. And, in fact, we are going to start things off in a very similar fashion. We're going to give you a spoiler-free idea of whether this is something that you should see in the theaters, which may not be possible by the time you hear this. true. <laughs> or whether it's something that you should uh, own a Blu-ray of, see it on streaming, or maybe wait for it to be in some sort of circulation on a major television channel, if anybody actually still watches those. It's going to show up on TBS, so you can watch it there. You get, get the edited version <laughs> with all of the... Well, I guess there would be nothing edited out in this particular film. Not really. Uh, but yeah, so... Let's let's do that before we dive into the complete uh, vivisectioning of the film to to tell a, a more complete story. So, what do you think, Richard? See it immediately, wait for it, or ignore it. So, legitimately, I would have if I have the opportunity to go watch things in the theater more. Um, I would do it more, and this would have been one that I would have watched in the theater without any issue, because um, the the previews look good. I like the subject line. I like the actor actress combos that are in here, so I wouldn't have had a problem. Now, now that I have seen it, uh, I can tell you from your experience in watching it that uh, uh, the commercials that I had to see were much shorter than <laughs> what you had to watch in it. Um, <laughs> It, there was two minutes worth of commercials, and then I got to watch it in 4K afterwards. So 
that's kind of the norm now, right? You know, you get a good experience at home, although it's still not the same as a theater. No. Um, so here's what I'll throw out there for you. If you're a fan of these people and you like going to watch movies and it's still in the theater and you can pay like eight, nine bucks to watch it in a matinee, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I uh, I have been a fan of the Dungeons & Dragons universe for a very, very long time. Um so on the one hand, I had that going for me, going into this, and it got me really excited. I like most of the people that are involved with this uh, very well. But then we've got Wizards of the Coast and their current shenanigans that they've been pulling over the last year, year and a half, uh, casting a bit of a pall over it. Now, so what I'm going to attempt to do is to remove the real world from this suggestion. Ooh. Uh, and I and I, I talk about doing that, being able to to, to separate that out, um, because ultimately, yeah, there are going to be some bad actors sometimes that benefit, but not everybody is a bad actor. Uh, that's kind of funny use in this yeah. particular list. A bad a bad person. Let's go with bad person. There are going to be some bad people that are involved, but there's a lot of people who are just trying to make a living, trying to tell the story, trying to do the good thing, and that's what I focus on. So, with that in mind. Uh, and having seen the film, I definitely say that this is a see it in the theater kind of a thing. Just seeing it on the big screen, there are several scenes that are built for that kind of an environment. They, clearly, they had that in mind, and that's what they tooled the scenes to. And they, I've seen it both there and on the streaming uh, now, and it, it definitely presents differently in the theater. Uh, I prefer it that way. Yeah, and... I would enjoy having a giganto screen with booming sound all around me as well. Um, sometimes I just can't go watch them. So yeah. It makes me sad. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to go into the spoiler-ridden section uh, of our review. As always, we are going to give this movie a potential score of 100 to as little as zero. We're going to do things in different sections. We're going to talk about the cast. We're going to talk about the director. Costuming and props, location, score, cinematography, plot and writing, and whatever bonuses we decide to throw in for whatever reason we feel like. <laughs> because we like to manipulate our scores. Let's be honest with it here. Absolutely. Well, I, I feel something different. Sometimes I look at the scores that I come up with, and then I look uh, for the individual categories, and then I look at the score that I feel where it should be, and the two just don't hit the same. And I can't think of a way other than this to get it to where I need it to be. Yeah. Sometimes you, you got to hit the middle ground, right? So right. that means adding a point or two of, um, I liked their clothes more the end. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. But uh, I don't think there's too many instances where I have to do that. And I think it's kind of fun. That's what you, the listener, should also do. Kind of play along. Uh, do your own scores. Compare. Contrast. Uh, have some fun with it. So we're going to start in. Let's go to low point stuff to the highest point stuff. Okay. We'll do it We'll do it that way this time. So let's start with location. We never start with location. No. No, we don't. So one of the big things about Dungeons & Dragons, at least in the source material, is it is friggin' huge. I mean, there's so much source material. The... The landscape is enormous, and there's not just a single plane. There's multiple planes and different things that you can reference off of, um, uh, different uh, story uh, locations, uh, just a rich history. And so at any point when you've got that much stuff to pull from and there are so many cool places to see, you're going to have some high expectations. At least I would. Because, you know, I'm, like I said, I've been a fan of the source material. So I have to say I was pleasantly surprised by the way that the that they approached this. I think that the locations were good. I think so, too. And I don't know the source material, but I know um, video games, which pull from that source material to certain extents. And I understand that when you're traveling from place to place and certain places have certain, you know, meaning or history where one is maybe 
what's controlling that land and the other one is where the peasants live or you know whatever you're going to classify the people as right uh big rich countrysides or dark spooky places and and i think you got a little bit of a little bit of everything in here right so you got kind of the little the mountain countryside type place you got the big sprawling uh castle you you got um a little zone for the games, you know, there, there was a little bit of everything. Everything looked pretty good. Not yeah. too cheesy. You're right. You know, it's still, they, I think they brought an air of authentic vibes to it. Oh yeah. Starting with the prison in Icewind Dale, that was a nice kind of environment and texture going with that kind of harsh, uh, area. You get to see some, some Harper layers throughout mm-hmm. here that are well put together uh, the countryside is generally, well, it's countryside. So as yeah. so long as it looks nice, we're good. Uh, the villages, the way they presented the villages, when I would imagine my mind what a, just a generic village would look like, that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, they I, when they put it together, they had a mind to it. The map, the beautiful map that they had once they got out of the prison sequence and then started following along looking at that uh, – map of Faroon. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just gorgeous. And they put a lot of thought, not just into the different locations, but one of the things that we notice in a lot of movies is when we get different locations, yes, we're getting a different location, but we're getting a single room generally in that location. It's true. Not too much more than that. They wander all over the friggin' place. In this, so when they go into the city, they go through the city. When they're in that dungeon, or not dungeon, but when they're in that uh, in that prison, yeah, you see their cell, you see the pardoning room, you see the outsides. Mm-hmm. You get a bunch of different just snippets, these tastes, because really they know they've got a limited time to give you this flavor to get it fully in there, and it's just. It's just really fantastic. Uh, Bradley Cooper's uh, little little halfling home was just gorgeous. Oh yeah, yeah that that made me crack up a little bit when I because there were that's part of the plot because they set up those plot points before they actually got there, and then I had to do a double take. I'm like, Bradley, is that Bradley? <laughs> oh, it's Bradley Cooper. Like that was really funny. Have him sit in the in the chair, and he was just so so calm and kind and polite <laughs> very funny very funny uh, i thought I, yes i thought that the the interior of the home the exterior of the home uh, good very good just just gorgeous the i i would never have thought the first movie that they would go into the underdark even briefly because that is a really exotic location in dungeons and dragons and it's got a lot of history and a lot of a lot of stuff to it, and you only see it kind of in the distance, but they nail it even from a distance. And uh, the uh, the the gnomish bridge and and the area where they fight the dragon and all that. There's so much detail, and they're moving all over the place. You get so so much. So yeah, I I love it. I'm I'm gushing a little bit, but I I really think they did an excellent job. Now was everything perfect? Well, no, no. Um, the graveyard scene had some odd camera angles. You, yes, I mean it's, Not, it was is in service to a joke, but mm-hmm. but I mean still you couldn't really see much of anything, and it was kind of rough. And there there were a couple of instances like that that were either like that or just a little lackluster, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, so out of ten, what would you say? That they did. What I say an eight? Did I say an eight? You did indeed. I would say they get a nine from me. I think those are very fair scores. I do. I do think so myself. Um, well, let's move to the other. Uh, well, one of the other two ten sections. We're going to go down to the score Ooh. because this one's quick and easy. <laughs> yep. Not really a lot of uh, modern day music that went into this. It's just kind of all orchestral background for the most part. And you know what? 
we've talked about this since we've introduced the score category in the in the last you know year or two. If you're not going to have things that you quote recognize or modern music of some form or fashion, don't make it crazy and distracting and overbearing. Right. Uh, make it complimentary and make it something that you notice, but not something that you pay attention to in a certain sense. Right. And got it. Yeah. I felt like the scenes had the appropriate energy, the appropriate tone at the right volume levels. I only really felt the the music swell in a couple of spots, not to a distracting level, but to a moment where I saw, oh yeah, music's here. Yeah. But it never got to please quiet it down. I'm trying to concentrate levels. Um, they, it just was really complimentary, which combining with I listened to some of the music tracks on their own. Solid music. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. a good it's a good uh, soundtrack. If you want something in the background, it's actually a really nice listen. Um, it's, it's available. You can buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's on Spotify already or Apple Music. Or, Does it come with some of the uh, you know cheesy loot songs oh, that yeah. that they were singing? Those are those are pretty. Cheesy. Those are pretty cheesy, but they were fun. Um, so out of a 10, this is a quick one. This one's easy. I'm going to go with uh, 8 out of 10 on this one. Is that what I did on this one too? It was. You're just copying off me. That's okay. <laughs> All right. We have one more category that has 10 points in it, and that's the costuming and props. Um, costuming and props is a big thing in a fantasy film. You've got to nail it, especially when you're having something with so many different races of people um, and – it's it's all over the place. And this section, this score, is what people um, out in the real world spend a lot of their time, money, and effort in creating their own versions of these things. So yep. when it's presented on screen, you can't fail, right? Like, you, mm-hmm. you, you have to put the proper touches you have to put the proper effort into it and i thought stuff looked pretty good Uh, not only good i thought it looked great because the big thing about this we talk about this a lot of times when we're talking about costuming and props with so many of the uh, marvel films and big sci-fi films a lot of it's cgi Mm -hmm. there is a a lot of this was practical very much so so this so it hearkened me back to like the Jim Henson days. Yes, I'm. I am a. I am an all for practical. I applaud the effort that gets put into those things because I know it's it's an artwork all its own. Yeah, I mean the fact that they could do Jarnathan, the giant Birdman, mm-hmm. as essentially well, not the part where he's falling out the window, but basically everything else was practical. Yes. That was amazing. That costume was gorgeous. That that was the one that I was thinking of too. Uh because it's one of when you're in that opening scene and they're delivering the repetitive uh joke about that character, your mind goes to like, "Well, who is this person?" Right? Maybe you knew, but Yeah, yeah, I knew who it was. But I didn't know. So I was like, oh, okay, what's this person? Because the board that's there, right, it has some variety in a certain sense. So when they when the, the person finally walked in the in the door, like, oh man, like, yes. Like that was really cool. And you could you could tell that when when we mentioned the Marvel things and we see like Thanos and we know Thanos is all CGI and we even commented on the Thanos character from Infinity War like yeah the CGI will it's a it's a hundred two hundred three hundred million dollar movie and the CGI for that character is okay it's okay right <laughs> um, but this character granted was only on screen for short bits of time but you had to put a lot of money and effort into putting that character on screen for such a short period of time with a good payoff, but like not a huge payoff. It's basically for two jokes. Yeah. 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 So applesauce, right? That's (laughs) good job. The uh, draconian individual on there was also a puppet. 
um, uh, the cat people that you see, you know, yes, that was practical. Yes. I mean, just just over and over. So uh, they did a lot of that practically, uh, and it was just it was just awesome. The um, the costuming um, in terms of uh, like Zinc, uh, and, you know, you think of a paladin. I can't think of a more paladin outfit than that. But it's not like cheesy. It's like yeah, whatever. It's like no, that's Okay, that's that's swanky right there. It's a swanky paladin because you know paladins are always a little full of themselves mm-hmm. anyway. So you got to have a little bit of that kind of that that kind of unintentional smugness built into the costume, and it it's there, but it's not there. But it's not over the top. But it's not over the top, and the colors are great, and it fit fantastically. Uh, Chris Prine. 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 Uh, we're going into music now. That's, that's John uh, Prine. John Prine. Uh, Chris Pine's uh, costume was simple, but just nice. It just looked. It looked comfortable. It looked like exactly what mm-hmm. somebody in his position would wear uh, until the time he had to dress up as as the Harper individual, and mm-hmm. then he looked similar to uh, what Zank's character looked like in in terms of regality, you know, that sort of thing. All of the costumes were just were just fantastic. The only one that was really lackluster was probably I don't know, um the villains, uh Sophina. Uh, but then again, the Red Wizards don't really have a lot to their costumes in the first place. No, but it was still it's still good. It's still good. Um, you had the dark eye makeup. You had the head tattoos. Right. Right. Um, th- that's what I think what I appreciated about this is because he, not maybe maybe not knowing the subject material well enough, you could have put some more ornate nonsense on that character's robes oh, yeah. and, and stuff. And they didn't do it. F- gr- fine. Yeah. Like sometimes less is more, as they say. Um was there any so like the the forge character? Maybe he had some lavish clothing, but really, he was supposed to. He was supposed to, and, and it didn't look out of place, right? So, I, I just I just think everything looked like it fit where it needed to. Oh yeah, people that needed to look high end looked high end. The people that didn't didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing really just stood out as as it didn't make sense. And that uh, Zenk sword that is also a dagger, that was slick. Mm-hmm. The, um, the uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, yeah, we have a, we've all we've been mentioning all these costumes and looks, but what about what about some of the props? Yeah, I mean it's it was super important to his character to to have that because that's also kind of a thing. The paladin's weapon is kind of a symbol, and man, it didn't uh, it didn't disappoint. It had great a great look to it. That etching down the center mm-hmm. on the blade that was just fantastic. The the shooting it off was kind of silly. And over the top, but this is a silly and over the top film, so mm-hmm. you know, forgivable. Um, the um, uh, what Doric's little slingshot yes, on the wrist, like, like the little magic slingshot thing. Oh, it's it's it was just well, it wasn't even magic. It's just if you looked at it, it's part of a bracer. And so when she do that thing, I thought it was like supposed to be a magic thing. No, she brings it under because she unclasps it from the thing to bring it up. And grab the strap at the same time mm. as one motion, so it's it's not magic. It's just really well designed. They put thought into a sling. Well, it's a different level of a weapon, right? So right. Each character had their own uh, special weapon, even if it was a guitar. You know, a lute, a the Edgins lute that was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should have broken when he hit the guy in the head with it, but mm-hmm. yes, <laughs> apparently it's enchanted. It's okay. It's an enchanted loot. Yeah. Um, Holga's axe. Oh, that's that's a thing of beauty. Uh, before it gets melted, it's just it's so sleek. Yep. And then afterwards, it's like, yeah, okay, I like that too. <laughs> the, the melted look. Yes, the perfectly, exactly melted, the correct, proper way to have <laughs> the exact texture it needed to have. <laughs> 
Oh, but just just pretty. So pretty. The horn that summons the Red Death. Meh, nice. As nice as it needed to be. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, just gorgeous all around. So, what do you think? Out of 10, what do they get? Uh, I do believe I put 9 for that one. I do believe you put 9 for that one, too. I actually gave them a 10 out of 10. There uh, is nothing wrong with either of those scores. No. A rare perfect for me. Well, maybe not so rare. I'd have to go back and look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't think we 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 put tens in a lot of those categories. No. no. All right. Well, let's move on to some categories with a little more points. We're going to go to director. Director can get fifteen points. Mm. So uh, there was more than one director in this film. We got uh, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly. Uh, now, Jonathan Goldstein, you may be familiar with his work on Game Night. Uh, he also did vacation. I was gonna say he did. also did game night. Uh, <laughs> well, okay, v- vacation, right? Is right. Um, a remake of a classic for people that are our age, and turned out to be a movie that is. Oh, okay. Um, it's it's not it's not bad, uh, but it's fun. Yeah, but they're basically. Goldstein and Daly are more known as writers yes. than, than directors. And they worked on Spider-Man Homecoming together and uh, you know a variety of other things. And I really like uh, John Francis Daly. He played Sweets on Bones. And uh, you know he had obviously some earlier acting chops. He's, he's been around the industry nearly his whole life. And He's just kind of got this youthful energy, mm-hmm. and I couldn't place it. I couldn't figure out because I, when I went into this, I have to admit I didn't actually look to see who was directing it. I often forget to look at that when I go to see the film, and sometimes that helps me kind of be more of a clean palette. But I so I watch it's like man, other than the fact that I know Dungeons and Dragons, this feels really familiar. There was something that was just itching the back of my brain, and I couldn't, and that was what it was. It was clearly their involvement because I was like, "Oh yeah, I feel the Spider-Man Homecoming, the the kind of that youthful exuberance coming yes. through." Yep. And so yeah, it's it's. I I really like their work, and if I'd known what they that they were involved with this, then I would have already kind of had an idea in mind of what to expect from the film, and I would have gotten exactly what I would have expected. Um, it's nice to not have those certain expectations. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to go clear. Go. Um, let's look at the credits, uh, the acting credits, because I feel like when he was younger, we we have a like freaks and geeks. Yes, that's what, yeah, that's what that's it was. where his breakout was. Yeah, okay, that's why he looks so familiar. But he was also on the Gina Davis show. I didn't know there was a Gina Davis show. I didn't know that that existed for twenty two episodes. Yeah, uh, but. Uh, he was on Kitchen Confidential. Well, it looks like about a whole season. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but yeah. uh, I'm sure it's terrific. But that's... that's the Bones, yep. That's yep. the impressive thing there. 140 episodes of Bones. So he was a regular. Yeah. He he got out before the end of the show. Um, there was some conflict, if I remember correctly, with a project he was working on. And they did not end... On amicable terms. Did they kill him off the show? They did. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so this is a pretty simple thing. Did the director convey the message? Did the director make it so that the the troupe, the actors involved, were able to see what it was they needed to do, work together well? Did they get what they needed on the screen? I'd have um, to say, yeah. Yes, and yes, uh, and yes. Yeah. Um, this this type of movie and the subject matter has a very loyal following, but you have to present it to the masses as well, and so you have to you have to bridge that gap. Uh, be honest and stay true to the to the form, right? But make it so that you can make a profit off of it too. That's ultimately what it's about, Um, and I think they did well. And the reviews were generally pretty well on it too. So they did a good. They they did a good job. Yeah, absolutely. And 
for an above average, very good job. To me, that's a 12 out of 15. Mm, 12. I think I did. Did I do 12? You did 12. Wow, look at that. <laughs> very similar scores. Uh, sometimes uh, it's hard to get away from that when you, when you both like a film. Um, well, let's go to the other 15. That's cinematography. Mm. So how did they do with the way they panned the camera? Uh, how did they do with the CGI that they did bring in? Uh, how did they do with combat scenes? How did they do with chase scenes? What do you think? How did they do with color? Right. Um, I liked, see, that's one thing that I remember about watching this is the color palette, right? There's a lot of that going on in this movie, and that can be from the the costuming and props, and that can be from the locations, right? But it, it has to be presented with a good look. So I, I liked I liked what you saw because you, you got to see the grand aspect of things, big and small. Uh, the action sequences. Now, we're, the, the people that really did the action sequences in here, right, uh, were people that have done action sequences in the past. Chris Pine did a little bit in the movie, not as much as uh, like Michelle Rodriguez did, right? And everything that they did in their fight scenes to me was pretty believable. Uh, the CGI fights were were from changing into the uh, owl, owl bear. The owl bear, yes. So that was a good portion of that mixed with other various types of, of animals. And that's hard to do on a budget, you know, and make it look sharp and crisp. But it wasn't bad. No, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I didn't find too many flaws. I mean, the owl bear looked fantastic. Yeah. Um, the, you know, mouse looked okay. Uh, rat or whatever. Uh, the, the fly. Fly, yeah. Uh, let's see. There was a snake. The snake looked okay. Uh, the deer looked okay. The bird was pretty. Yep. Um, so, I mean, uh, the cat looked like a cat. That wasn't hard. I guess there were two birds. The flying bird looked really pretty. The big, ugly walking bird There's looked multiples, good, There's multiples, yep. yeah. Trotting through the, the city, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the CGI that they used, the big, fat dragon... Bunny, <laughs> it looked great too. <laughs> yep, definitely, definitely. You could tell the CGI. We know it's a CGI thing, and we get it, and it has to be because of the subject material. But it looked, it looked like a CGI thing. Um, probably of the bunch, if we're talking about good, bad, or otherwise, that was probably the worst of the bunch. Yeah, and that's that's not saying it was bad. No. It was just the other things were were good enough that. When was, everything else is so good, it's obvious that it's not at the same level. Correct. But, uh, yeah, so it's – I thought that the thing that got me is they had multiple chase sequences. And the camera angles that they used, they did it as a follow for the most part. And it's almost like being on a ride at Universal or something like that. And the way they followed it, there was no shaky cam. It was clear. It was great. They, they did non-standard sweeping camera angle moves, or at least they made it appear non-standard, talking about the fight in the hallway when they're avoiding being beheaded and Rodriguez is kicking the butt of like 10 different armored individuals. Um, they changed camera angles a lot in that, and a lot of times the camera angles were, or the camera was a, a moving cam. But it wasn't always a linear move. It was a somewhat curved move in a couple spots. And there's there's definitely some very direct choreographed move sets. Right. You're going to have that in any of those types of sequences. But what we did see in those fight scenes, I thought, too, is sure, sh she's battling 10 other people. But you'd see that battle between half of the people. Right. And then they'd cut away. Right. To to show the other characters, at, maybe for a joke, maybe for, yeah. you know, to to not film all the action -y stuff. So they definitely did cut away from the sequences where maybe they knew the limitations behind it. And they did that. They worked the, the system, let's call it. Right? Yeah. There are a couple things that were unrealistic that happened in the fight, but the vast majority of it looked like it should have. 
I mean, we've talked about this before when we made fun of uh, Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn's fight against all those giant thugs. There was no way she would have beat the way that she beat. Um, It just didn't look right. But Rodriguez, yeah, looked right. I mean, look, she she looks she presents like you do not want to cross this person, and if you do, she's got the muscle and she's got the stance, and it looks like she's got the training to just absolutely decimate you. And it's it, it's done really really well. The trade off in the end fight sequence with Safina where they go between the characters dealing with different issues because there's like a tag team thing mm-hmm. that different people are involved at different times. That was really, really slick. It was never chaotic, uh, distracting from attention. Uh, the portal gun, I mean, the staff of Hither Thither. Uh, <laughs> you knew it would come into play later on. And and when, when they were in the house and they mention it, a little bit of foreshadowing there about the importance for that that uh, particular item. Yeah. So I mean, all things said and done, like I have to agree about the color. the 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 color tone was good. Everything was good. I mean, um, some of the some of the like I said, some of the CGI wasn't perfect, and some of it was a little awkward. So like we talked about Cooper being the halfling. His halfling looked great. The halfling at the end of the film looked out of place. Looked like it was pasted onto the screen. Yep, and and, and you could see that you could see that a, a little bit in in bits and pieces when we initially meet that character, uh, him sitting in the big chair. It looked fine, but there was a there was a tone to it that I think they were trying to hide the the blended shots together. The mixed perspective. Yes. And that was okay. It wasn't distracting, but you definitely noticed um, if you weren't excited about seeing Bradley Cooper and you were paying attention to everything else, you you could see the the eh, let's call it we're nitpicking, right? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, The imperfections about those sequences, but that's not we're, we're nitpicking. Occasionally, the the cameras did jerk just a little too quickly in some spots. And there were a couple of, like I said, there were a couple of weird camera angles in the graveyard. That same hallway fight scene where I really loved Rodriguez when they would go back to Chris trying to get out of his restraints. I don't need a crotch level view on the corner of a stair that gets half of his body in the frame. I have no idea what they were going for in that. That was just a weird thing. Maybe they were trying to express that, oh, he's he's trying to go as fast as he can. Well, just, just pan out a little bit. Let me see the whole, it's going to come across the same either way. The way it's doing like that, it's like you're trying to get me to look at his end seam. I, I, I don't know what you're going for there. It's it's just really weird angle. They did that a couple of times. Like, I, I know you're trying to be original. There's original, and then there's just no. <laughs> just out of place. Just out of place. But still, really fantastic. Not too much to complain about. Out of 15, what do you give it? I think I gave that one an 11. You did. I will give it a 12. Very good. Very good. Yeah. All right. Look at us go. We're almost done. We only have two more categories and then our bonus points. Now, uh, the two big ones are always going to be the two big ones, cast and writing. Mm-hmm. We'll go to cast first. The cast. Now, of course, we got Chris Pine. I love this guy. He's good in everything. Very good. Um, so whether you're, whether you want the eye candy, whether you want the seriousness, whether you want the lighthearted, um, I think you get a little bit of everything when he's in, when he's in a movie, right? It's, can he do no wrong? I don't know about that, but he can do a lot of right. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, he was he he was good in everything that I've ever seen him in. So it's just uh, it's one of those things that uh, he makes most films better for being in them, and he is a good lead. Um, Michelle Rodriguez, we sometimes joke and laugh that she basically plays the same character in everything that she does, and she well variations on a theme, let's call it. But she's good at it. She's a really good tough guy 
I know you're a huge fan of the Fast and Furious movies. Um, I am a fan of Aliens. Yes. Um, I. It's, it's okay to be uh, typecast. It's you have a place. If you're good at that, you'll always have a place. Yeah. And you can be, you can work outside of your place just fine. Uh, but you're right. It, it, if you have that view of being one dimensional, well, okay, well that's someone else's, you know, short sighted idea of that. But if you do something well, why not do that something? Yeah. I mean, you get that all the time. It's not like uh, Samuel Jackson is uh, <laughs> taking uh, huge differences in his roles. I mean, there's, there again, variations on a theme. Now, the variation that I liked with Rodriguez in this is she's playing the barbarian and obviously the not very smart barbarian. But they didn't go overboard. She didn't go overboard with it. So a combination of the writing and how she acted it, it's not like I'm dumber than a box of rocks, just a little slow on the uptake sometimes. I, I was confused a bit by her presentation were we supposed to be like this is a Drax character, right? Like, not, where was not this that level? Was it just complete deadpan the whole time? Was it I can be funny when I want to be? Uh, was it intentional uh, of that? I I couldn't. She had no joke lines. She was a straight man the entire film. Yeah, but the but the delivery of that straight man could be con can conveyed as funny i felt like oh yeah no it's definitely taken to be funny but it's funny because she's unaware she's doing it and well that's that's kind of the drax character it is kind of the drax but, character, like, that but was, not to that level not to that level yes and i when when watching it i there was just like this in the back of my head Am I missing something about this? Because I think I know what I'm seeing on here. But then there's a couple scenes where I don't get the same consistency. Uh, it was just like, I think I know what it is. But I'm like, wait a second. Okay, yeah. But, but, but wait a second. So that I, I kind of got that from her character throughout the whole movie. Not in a bad way. Just thinking like, in this scene, she's going to do this. Because that's the, what she's portraying. And then kind of went that way I don't I don't know not that she did bad I just at times I was not sure exactly what direction her role right. was going uh, Justice Smith I thought was very lovable uh, in the in the film I think he conveyed kind of the um, uncertain kind of getting his feet under him type of a character mm -hmm. very well Um uh, you may recognize him from voicing Mark and Ron's Gone Wrong, which I was I really like that one. But he's mm -hmm. also in de Detective Pikachu, Detective Pikachu uh, as Tim. Good so, movie if you're a um, Pokemon fan. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, he's he's uh, he's had a couple of good turns here and there, and I thought he did great with his role. Not distracting at all had some funny comedic moments in the film that he was able to pull off pretty well um sophia lillis yeah no no i got the name i was just trying to think her character was also very straight in the film uh straight manish yes with a hint of it is is she shy is she standoffish? Standoffish would be a better uh, description. And because of that, and they because they played into it, they just didn't do too much with her. Well, I, I kind of felt, and, and call me crazy in this, that with the power that she had in that character, that there was a couple scenes that I'm watching, like, well, why didn't she just turn back into a bug? Why didn't she turn into a lizard? Why didn't she, like, because she could have done anything she wanted to and at any point in time. But it didn't quite play into the storyline. Okay. Um, that's a more of a plot thing. Yeah, well, we'll get back to that. But she was in it. Yes, she was. Uh, so uh, I remember her from it because she had freckles and blue eyes, and I was like, it's like one of those characters, like with the red hair with the blue eyes. 
Like it's a combination. Just pops. You you don't see that in a human being very much. Yeah. So, um, I, I I when I was watching this, I was like, why do I like why do I recognize her? Because she had obviously different hair and horns, <laughs> so I couldn't quite place it. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, got Hugh Grant, who was very Hugh Grant in this film. Yes. Uh, I will say, of all the peoples that were the main characters, um, I thought his character, um, not the actual character, but his portrayal of the character, was the worst. Really? Um, I felt like him trying to be Hugh Grant, it's like he was trying too hard to be that character, and it came off as not genuine oh no but that's exactly what he needed he is a dungeons and dragons villain con man he's trying too hard that is the ticket and it needs to come over that way superficial all the way and i think he nailed it uh Hmm. because you're not supposed to not supposed to for the most part like him he maybe has a, a re uh uh, you know, a characteristic here or there that's not too bad, but ultimately you want to see him get what's coming to him at the end of the story. You need to really dislike him, not just as a character, but he just needs to irritate you, and he and he needs to go. He did that perfectly. I, I, that was on purpose, one hundred percent. Okay, but he still did irritate me, but yeah. not the character, <laughs> but, but not the character like i know he was a like a scummy bad guy i get it um who is worked his way into the system um but even how he portrayed the character even if you're the the young girl who he has taken uh under his wing you could 100 percent tell he's lying yeah but but she believed it. That's yeah. a plot. That's a plot. Thing. No, because he was part of the group, and she already knew he was a con man. She'd seen the smile. That's how he always is. So if he's always in that mode, how do you know when he's trying to pull something? I suppose that's yeah. true. Anyway, we'll we'll agree to disagree on that one. Uh, Chloe did okay. Chloe Coleman. She was the the child. Yeah, she was cute when she needed to be cute, and was there, and that's about it. Um, now, this is more maybe more of a plot thing to discuss too. But like, she was the character, and then she was the character to like the the scope of this was two years, right? Yes, from what I remember seeing in this, it's like I know people can change, but I feel like in those two years, she became a completely different person. Yeah, she got rich. Yeah, it happens. Um, Daisy Head. As uh, Safina, nicely menacing, did mm-hmm. a good job. Yep. But uh, best in show for me, Reggie Jean Page. He was fantastic. Dashing. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah, there's just not much to say. He was extremely charming and he put. <laughs> He just had the swagger down on the screen. Oh, yeah. Extremely <laughs> confident and doesn't know the character, doesn't know humor, right? Yeah, that's that's always a fun one. That that was what what he did and how he presented it is just like, like, I'm the man and that's all you need to know. Like, right. That, that was it. That was his character. Yeah, and that's and he's he's the perfect NPC for the party. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's just, he, he personified it so well. Um, and then he, like, oh, I need to go. Okay. Like, well, what? He would just an- annihilate everybody. Oh, okay. Plot point. <laughs> He's got to go. you got to get out of here. <laughs> That's what an NPC is for. Get them where they need to go, help them where they need the help, and then remove the character so they don't win too easy. Yes. Because he would have, you know, won everything. Yeah. So casting, Fantastic. All around, the secondary characters all did a good job too when they needed to show up. I couldn't couldn't be happier uh, for the most part. Um, I would like to have seen um, 
a couple of people that were involved with D&D kind of make some cameos. Show um, some faces. Yeah. Faces in the crowd, maybe. Something. Or maybe a handful of people that have been involved in some fantasy stuff over the over the history, things that influence this. That would have been nice. Um, and, you know, everything wasn't perfect. There were a couple of um, scenes that were just kind of, that had some flat acting here and there. It wasn't perfect. But uh, in terms of the actual casting, the casting was nearly perfect, and the acting was very good. So between those two things, that's a pretty high score for me. That's a 16 out of 20 for me. Hmm. I feel like I chose the same number. I think you did. Wow, wow, wow. Look at us. <laughs> All right. And now the the rise and fall, the plot. Mm, the plot. Uh, first of all, uh, you said something about pace. How long of a movie is this? Two, two hours. Two hours. Like just, just over two hours? I think so, yeah. So when we look at the plot, and when we look at the pace, and you said there were some lulls in terms of the acting, um, I thought the overall the overall pace of the movie for being two hours, I thought two hours was a good amount of time. Um, could it have been shorter? Yeah, may, maybe. Shaved about 15 minutes off, probably. Yeah, nothing too crazy. Could it have been longer? Yeah, I don't maybe. know. If, if they you, added some more plot. Yep. Yep, but I think I think where they had it for the two hours was just fine, and I think the the tempo of it uh, was fine. Yeah, you got kind of that introduction as a storytelling kind of piece. You got it right off the bat from an interesting perspective, and you got a a nice little rush of energy from the beginning, uh, smashing through the window. The great like you. The way it was being presented to you, you didn't see that as the outcome, and but it was all presented with humor, and I think that's the overall kind of vibe I got from the plot on this is that it has a story, it has things, but it's not taking itself super seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just a, a lot of well-placed, funny stuff. Yeah. Um, and you have to build that into the, the story and the writing and stuff. So that's what one thing I noticed over the top about it. Yeah, the uh, the thing that I noticed, the only thing that's really detracting for me in the writing is the style was inconsistent. So, you know, let's talk about that opening scene in the, uh, in the prison. It's done as part flashback, part exposition. It's meant to be done with a quirky kind of a thing. And they use that in like two to three places in the film. And then they don't use it anywhere else. And that's just standard storytelling. So, I mean, thinking to something like a Scott Pilgrim, where they keep the quirky system throughout the writing of the entire film, mm-hmm. it, makes it, it makes it consistent, makes it flow better. But when you change up styles, it, it throws just a little hitch sometimes into into how it's consumed. I think that was a potential problem with this film. Um, but the characters uh, were were pretty well fleshed out. We got good background on Chris's character, Michelle's character, uh, and Justice's character. We got a little less on uh, uh, Sophia and uh, Reggie, Reggie, Jean. I'm, I'm going to... You get that accent in there, and it always goes wrong for me. Yeah. Well, we get a little bit of a story, but a little, but you know, we get one flashback, but no processing. Yeah. Yep. Not 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 quite the information right. that we got from a few of the other characters. Yeah. So I mean, it's just yeah, some some character development, some character progress. Um, the the plot was. You know, standard D&D fare, which is exactly what it should have been. I liked that. Um, you were talking about, you know, why doesn't uh, the druid just kind of change whenever she wants? There's another great example of that. Uh, when they're followed into the Underdark by the undead assassins, um, the, pal- <clears throat> the paladin goes to confront them. I'll take care of this. And then he takes them all down. It's like, we need to flee. Why? Because the dead don't stay dead. 
Well, why did you fight him in the first place then? Just to slow him down a bit, you know. <laughs> it didn't slow them down. This let's say he, he gave them enough time to stand up, and they were running by the time we moved to the next scene. <laughs> so what was the point of that? Other than I'm a really cool paladin. I think that was the point. Yes, and that's. I don't mind the scene that is there to prove that I'm a really cool paladin, but you could have put it in there better. Uh, it could have been one of those things where, you know, he notices something. He's a paladin. He's got sense evil. Let me go check it out. Uh-oh, they ambush him. He fights them off. Let's go. Now it's no longer one of those things where I'm choosing to go fight them for a moment and they're just going to get back up. I'm not doing that. Uh, they, I knew they were there somewhere and they, they tricked me or whatever, but I fought them off. Let's get out of here because it's not going to stick. Or, or at least put a snarky comment from some of the other ones about why did you waste all your time doing that? We could have got out of here 10 minutes ago. Right. You know, other, either would have been fine. Self-awareness fixes a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, so there, there was a couple of things like that that were in there that kind of annoyed me a bit. Um, some of the dialogue was a little clunky. Um, when, you, when you're trying to navigate between storytelling and seriousness and humor, it's a delicate yeah, sorry rope you know, to, to, to tread across. So, But, I mean, really, though, I didn't have any major plot point thing where I go, yeah, this, the whole story sometimes in the movies, it doesn't make sense. The whole story made sense just fine. It fit in, into the world. It acknowledged the source material. The reference to the, the cartoon was fantastic. I love that. The way that they wrote in how the displacer beast worked and how the uh, gelatinous cube worked and all the little <laughs> bits and pieces were great. And they blended, and it worked, and it allowed the characters to be clever in a way that a player would be clever. And that was good. And there there was still, in terms of the overall plot, the basic MacGuffin. Yeah. They wanted the thing. Someone else had the thing. I want to get the thing. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Build, build your story around that. So uh, we're, we're not going too in-depth on anything here, but I think you're right, those subplots and sub storylines that followed off of the main plot line were key to one keeping the thing keeping the pace going but um giving you a little something extra yeah. in there so out of 20 for me i was very satisfied there are a few things that i thought could have been better but i mean ultimately it's something that I would watch again, which is a big thing for me because I've now watched it twice and I feel like I could watch this again in the future. So that to me is like a 16 out of 20. I didn't go too much different. Uh, I did 14. Yeah. And now we go into our bonus points uh, where we can either add or remove points as necessary to get it to the score that we want it to be. Um, so for me, I'm going to add one single point. Um, and... This is for the uh, faulty illusion Chris Pine bard bit where it starts to degrade and skip. And mm. that had me laughing so hard. It, I mean, was, it was great to see the face get distorted. And I feel like when he was trotting out there and playing the guitar, like, cheesy okay right. where, where are we getting that like where are we going with this and it just took that to another level and they're like uh, uh oops <laughs> okay <laughs> let's go so yes that that was i like that scene that was very nice yeah um i gave a bonus point for the mentions of the places and that you didn't get to see but they're involved in the discussion. And the one that was most notable to me that I heard a couple times was Baldur's Gate. So, yeah, Baldur's Gate is, uh, is important. Uh, in fact, I'm still playing through the extended edition version of that game. I love how they did that. It's, I've played it multiple times. I'll 
played multiple times before uh, again. It's one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, so that brings us to a grand total. Richard gave it an eighty. That's a a B minus. So, I think that to me, for for my scoring, spot on. I gave it an eighty four, which is a B. So yeah, right about the same level. I think we did well. Yeah, I I think they did well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I was I was really impressed. But what do you think, dear listeners? You should you can always let us know. You know, we're on Twitter at least for now. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We may not be as active as uh, some others, but we'd love to hear what you think. Uh, we'd love to get suggestions. Name a movie that's maybe been out for a while. Let us know. We'll watch it. We'll review it. Just drop a little of that ever so tasty dollar signs in the Patreon and send us a message, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll we'll review something. <clears throat> maybe that's what we'll say. If we if you if you start supporting us uh, at the one dollar range, you can choose a movie review that we will do uh, as as a new member. So long as we can watch it somehow, that's yeah. all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters, and we'll do it. We may even maybe have even already seen it. But uh, until next time, uh, next week it is our five year anniversary, final oh. season. Oh, dang. Not final season. Final episode, season five. And uh, I'm. it's been a long time coming. We got a, we got a fun one for you. It's, it's going to be a little different. Uh, we're going to go down memory lane a little bit. Mm-hmm. 